Our gracious and heavenly Father, uh, we thank you that you are far bigger than we can comprehend, and yet you have um, given us your word that we might know you and worship you, tremble before you in the splendor of your holiness, Lord. Thank you that we have a way to you through Jesus Christ, and uh, Lord, I just pray that as um, we come before you this morning and open your word, may your spirit um, just illumine our, our minds, open our eyes to see the things that you would have us see. I pray that you would be um, with uh, my words, that they would be uh, pleasing to you and you would just uh, work through them and uh, uh, erase the chaff and, and leave the uh, good fruit. So Lord, I just pray that you would um, bless us this morning, guide us as we uh, look at these wonderful things from your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, I would like to thank you for joining us today. I usually do. I usually am up here. Um, but in a different capacity, so that's why it's so nerve-wracking for me to be up here. Um, I'm usually over here where John was, and uh, yet today, um, so I'm leading our time of worship in song, but uh, today you might say I'm leading our time of worship in the Word. So we're in our third week of a three-week stint of guest preachers. Two uh, preachers from Crossway Network churches have come here and uh, opened the Word for us, and I've been really thankful for them, and I'm thankful for their faithfulness in ministry um, it's encouraging to see how God is working in churches throughout the country. Um, and also, it's encouraging to see how God is uh, working in our churches. We've had a baptism service uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're going to have another one next week. Um, so uh, today, I'm excited to share with you from Psalm 96. Psalm 96, if you haven't opened your Bibles there already, is... This is not working. There we go. We'll try this. <clears throat> and uh, hopefully that'll work. It's not super important if it doesn't work, but um, when I was considering what to preach on and praying um, over what uh, I might bring before the congregation this morning, um, I had just a lot of ideas kind of running around my head, um, but as we were going through Psalm 96 as our fighter verse, it really jumped out at me. Um, the analogy that comes to mind is kind of a, uh, that of a maybe a hobbyist or an amateur and a professional. Uh, I know a lot of you have different hobbies, um, ranging from woodworking to um, photography and painting. And um, so there's, there's something that happens when you really invest some time and effort into uh, a hobby of yours, and you see something that a professional has made, and you can appreciate it a little bit more. You can uh, maybe um, just... Uh, understand the attention to detail that went into and the time and the resources that go into producing something, whether it be, you know, a, uh, a painting or a photograph, um, perhaps a piece of, of woodwork or um, even a sumo wrestler. Um, and uh, if that's your hobby, I don't know if anybody has sumo wrestling for a hobby. Raise of hands. No? Oh, excellent. Awesome. <laughs> so... Um, when you, when you see a performance or even an athletic performance of, of professional-grade performance, you understand the amount of time and attention to detail and resources that went into those things. Um, so one of the things that I, I enjoy doing is writing songs um, as a hobby. Um, and yet, when I saw Psalm 96, it, was, it really struck me. I was like, 
that is a song. I mean, it just jumps out of the page. You see there's use of repetition. It breaks up easily into three parts, um, what I would think of as maybe verses. Um, And so it's easy to look at that when you're a hobbyist or an amateur and compare yourself to the professional and be discouraged. Um, And yet... uh, when, I'm, when, we talk, when I uh, have talked about this kind of topic as we go through Worship Matters with, uh, by Bob Coughlin with our music team, I've talked about how um, seeing that professional is not, maybe not necessarily a goal for you to reach for, but it's uh, excellence is being better than you were the day before, not trying to be like somebody else or being like the professionals. So also when I look at Psalm 96, I can pr- appreciate it as a masterfully written song I can also give myself a little grace, or give us all a little grace, because this song is literally breathed out by God. So, um, it's, but it's also just a very well-executed song. So as we'll see, it breaks up into three parts or sections, um, and instead of calling them verses, um, it's easier just to call them parts or sections because it also was broken up into 13 verses. So, um, but you can think, I, I like to think about them as as sections in a song, so think of them as verses in a song. So, however, all of those sections, those three sections, all encapsulate uh, a common theme, which is where I get the title of my message, Worship the Lord, All the Earth. Um, And so, let's read our text together, uh, Psalm 96, Psalm 96, towards the middle of your Bibles, if you're going for the pew Bible in front of you. Um, Let's read the word of the Lord. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the fields exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Now some context for this psalm. Uh, is found in 1 Chronicles 16. It's um, part of a compilation of psalms that David wrote for the occasion of him bringing the ark into Jerusalem. Here's a, here's a picture from the event actually photographed there. No, not really. Um, this is from the 1900s, but uh, what somebody thought it might look like. And there's David having a great time, rejoicing before the Lord. Um, and so he penned this song, this, uh, this hymn, psalm, excuse me, as part of as part of that celebration, as part of that, as the ark came into the, to the city. Um, so that's, it was about uh, 3,000 years ago that this happened. And 
The variation that we have in Psalm 96 is just a little different, so he probably adapted it to fit here, or it could have, or that could have been maybe an earlier version. This uh, in First Chronicles 16. Um, however, the the theme and most of most of the text remains the same. Um, so this psalm breaks up into three verses or parts, each starting with their own imperative. It's it's a crescendoing call for the nations to come and worship the Lord. So the first part, the first section, begins with sing to the Lord. And that's verses 1 through 6. It says, um, O sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, bless his name. So the first section starts with some catchy repetition. Um, Kind of like when we begin a song, we sing... Holy, holy, holy. Everybody knows what's coming up after that, right? We, sing, we start singing that maybe the first song of uh, when we gather together on Sunday mornings, and that gets your attention. It kind of gets everybody knowing what's going to happen next. So uh, repetition is a great way to get our attention, but it's also a great way to remember things. I think um, just as I was thinking about this point as we were singing the songs uh, previously, there is definitely a lot of use of repetition, you know, um, especially in the bridges or the choruses. Those things are repeated often in songs that we sing today. And David utilizes that, um, that device in, in calling our attention, calling the attention of the nations to sing to the Lord. So <clears throat> the first part is when he, he talks about the whole earth singing to the Lord a new song. Now, that's not necessarily... Um, a song that he just makes up on the spot um, because he had obviously written this for that occasion. And so it's, it's, it can be interpreted as just a fresh singing of something already written. So as we sing a new song, um, every time we gather together and sing, there's different people here. There's a different, uh, uh, maybe a different arrangement that we're using. It's all a new song. It's just some, maybe something that's already been written. It can also mean a new composition that you, you make up as well. Um, and then it's, it's the next imperative, the next uh, repetition is sing to the Lord all the earth. David is calling the whole earth, including those outside of Israel, the Gentiles, to sing a song to the Lord because he is worthy of worship. And, he, and he, as he repeats, he says, bless his name. And we'll talk about this when we get into the word ascribe. But to bless God is just to call him blessed. Uh, his name is representative of all he is. So he is full of blessing, and so as we come and sing him a new song, the whole earth comes and sings him a new song, we are to bless his name. So the end of verse 2, tell of his salvation from day to day, and verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Give us uh, some things that we should be praising God about, we should be singing about. So um, these phrases, kind of throughout the psalm, Pair, what, pair kind of the title of my message, right? Worship the Lord, all the earth. So it's calling the nations, declaring his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. As worship is a, a whole life expression of gratitude and thankfulness and, and service to God. Um, as we go out and we declare among the nations, this, um, the theme is worship the Lord, all the earth. So these kind of these, um, imperatives... Uh, to go and, and declare his glory among the nations is uh, a, an encapsulation of, of my theme and the main idea of my message um, and the end of the psalm. 
And then in verses 4 through 6, David starts dealing with why we should be fulfilling these imperatives. So he's, he's calling the nations to worship the one true God. And he entreats them to compare their gods, their deities, with the one true creator God. Verses 4 through, six, four, 4 through 5 say, For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. So as David entreats the nations to compare their gods to the, true, the one true God, they can't stack up because they're not real. Um, the, the God who created the heavens is full of splendor and majesty. They are, they are before him, and strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So the, that is a, a great place to start the crescendo. But before we keep that crescendo going, I'd like to stop and think, have us think about uh, how this applies to our lives. Um, in conversations with people, the things that they worship come up pretty quickly. Um, as a middle school teacher, I can tell you that middle school Students, well, and teachers as well, um, get pretty offended when uh, something interferes with the object of their worship, whether that be themselves or a device that they possess on their person um, or uh, their status as one of the cool kids. Um, Or in conversations that I have, because I have students that, I work with students that are learning English, and so they come from various parts uh, from around the world, in conversations that I have, they, um, we talk about the different uh, religions that they follow and, and ascribe to. Um, and so um, one example of this that uh, I'd like to just take a second and kind of lay this out so we understand that, you know, when we're talking to people, the things that they worship come up. And so this is a really obvious example, but I think it can be applied to other conversations that you have. One, one day I was uh, leaving class, and one of my students... Um, who is a Muslim, asked me, uh, Mr. Brown, can um, I ask you a question? And I was like, you know, I thought it was about math because I was leaving math class and heading on to my next class. Um, and I was like, sure. And he said, um, do you think you're going to heaven? And I, I was like, whoa, okay, so we're doing this. Um, <laughs> and I said, um, I kind of wanted to see where it was going. I said, um, Actually, I, I, know I'm, I know I'm going to heaven. And he said, um, well, actually, Muhammad says that only uh, true believers in Islam and, and that believers of, in Allah will, will go to heaven, are able to go to heaven. And um, I, I thought for a second, and I said, because um, I had just had, literally I had had a conversation the week before with another group of students who also were Muslim, and we were just kind of talking about the Quran and, and, um, and Muhammad and, and, and Islam. And I said, well, you guys believe that Jesus is a prophet, right? And uh, I said, you believe that Jesus is a prophet, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And this was all in the span of maybe two or three minutes, and I've got four minutes to get to class. And he just stops, and there was a lull, and he said, and that was it. And I went, to the, I went to my next class. And literally, that was um, you know, an opportunity for me to tell of, this, tell of my salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among the peoples, and also an opportunity to compare 
the gods of, of other people, the deities of other people, to the one true God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who saves, and the God who alone is God. Um, and so that, you know, it, we left the conversation is that, at that. He's still in my class today. We haven't had necessarily any other conversations around that topic. Um, but it's just um, a great example of how in conversation, just when you like least expect it. I mean, honestly, I was going to my next class, and uh, these, these conversations come up, and there are opportunities to declare his glory among the nations and to tell of his salvation from day to day. So that's a great spot for David to start the crescendo, right? We've already seen how God is our creator, how he alone is God, how the, God, how the gods of the nations don't stack up because they're not real. And what marvelous reasons we have, that, that is, to sing to our God. So he gives the imperative, and then he gives the reasons, and what great, what great reasons they are. And yet, they keep going. So the second stanza starts out with the same catchy repetition. Only this time, the imperative is not to sing, but it's to ascribe to the Lord. Let's read verses 7 and 8. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So the first so that's the first after the first section, the second section, or what I think of like verses, verses seven through nine, are are a response to the call to come. And see that the Lord is the, the Lord alone is God, and that He is the Creator God and the God who saves. So as we come before Him, we ascribe to the Lord. The, the families of the peoples come and ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, and they ascribe the glory due His name. And when I think of the word ascribe, it was a little puzzling to me because um, ascribe in some translations is translated as give. Um, and when, how are we supposed to give the Lord? glory and strength. How is it that we finite beings can give an infinite God who has infinite glory and infinite strength a measure of our strength or even just uh, even all of our glory, all of our strength? How do we do that? And that's not necessarily what that what this is calling us to do. As we ascribe to the Lord, we acknowledge that he alone infinitely possesses these qualities. And so we acknowledge that and not to give them away, but just acknowledge that God is glorious and worthy of all glory and strength. He alone possesses these qualities in perfection. And as we, as we ascribe to him these things, we are just acknowledging that. Just kind of similarly as we talk about bless the Lord. Right? God is a God that is, that is blessed because he is full of blessing. And we're, as we bless the Lord, we're acknowledging that. Um, and then verse 8 calls us to come into his courts. Well, it calls, calls the nations to come into his courts, the families of the peoples. Um, it is calling the entire world to come before the Lord and acknowledge his glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So the implication there is for the nations to come and convert and in, in order to come before the Lord and worship. And so that first section... That call to sing uh, is, a, is a calling of the nations to acknowledge that God is, is alone God and uh, alone is God and is God above all and is the creator God. And yet in the second section that starts with a scribe, that repetition of a scribe, 
the impression is that we're coming before the Lord. So the call goes out, and then people come, and then the, imp- the imperative turns in verse 9. It turns from a scribe to worship, right? So worship is prostrating yourself before this glorious God should not only cause you to fall down, as verse 9 says, uh, like worship means literally fall down and put your face on, towards the ground, but it also should cause you to tremble before him. As you come before the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, in, this, in, the, in the gloriousness of his presence, uh, we are to come before the Lord and tremble. Um, so these two sections are building to the climax of the crescendo. This third section in ver- starts in verse 10. And um, I've called this section Overflow from the Lord to the Nations. I know it doesn't fit super nicely with, uh, with my outline, but I tried to cram uh, enough stuff in there so that you get the gist of it as you're filling out your outline. Same for you children as well. Um, but this is, the, this is the apex, the crescendo, the, the, the climax of the song. In this verse, where it talks about, Say among the nations... The Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. So we've got, in this verse, we have a recap of the subpoints uh, of, of those first two verses, uh, or sections, excuse me, um, and like verses 1 through 6 and 7 through 9. We've got a recap of those. And yet we also, um, in the second part of verse 10, have uh, a pointing to the future. When the call for the world to worship will be answered. As we look in, in verse 10, when it talks about say among the nations, right? The Lord reigns. So that's acknowledging that God is Lord over all. That's a recap of that first part where we talk about God is, is sovereign over everything. He's the creator God. And then also, the, world, the Lord reigns. The, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He's the creator God. He has made the earth. And so in this section... In verse 10, we have that recap of those first two sections. And then it also is looking forward in the last part to he will judge the peoples with equity. That's the first time a future tense verb is used. And so it's calling for everyone. It's a a call for everyone outside of the covenant community of Israel. Declare that the Lord is sovereign and rules over all. And if we think of those first two sections as primarily concerned with glorifying God and magnifying his name, ascribing those attributes which we acknowledge that he possesses, we can think of the start of this section as the overflow of all of those wonderful reasons of worship to go to the nations and declare his glory. So as we think of those first two sections, uh, where we acknowledge that he is God, and then we ascribe ascribe those attributes to him, then say among the nations is that call out of the overflow of our worship in verse 9, to go and say, declare that the Lord reigns. So this is also, in the last part of verse 10, when it's talking about he will judge the peoples with equity, it's talking about the future. It's looking forward to the rule and reign of Christ, where he will judge the peoples with equity. Now, it, it could be a looking forward to the time where he will come and be judge of the entire earth where, where, um, when he comes again. But it's also looking forward to the time where he's judging now. And judging with equity means ruling justly. So his rule is established. He is ruling 
Uh, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, um, as Hebrews 12 says, uh, for, the, um, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Um, so Christ has established his rule and reign, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, yet waits for that time. So we uh, waits for that time when his enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. Hebrews 10, 12, and 13. So this verse is, uh, in, as this verse comes to us, so original hearers looking forward to all of the fulfillments of Christ, all of, the, um, all of that time when, when Christ will judge the peoples with equity, and yet um, coming to us, it's a time where we live in this now and not yet time, where Christ is, has ascended to the throne of God and yet waits the time, is waiting for the time when his enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. So this verse, verse 10, is a call for us to say among the nations that the Lord reigns. Through the lens of Christ's death and resurrection, we can see that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, And through the Spirit's power and illumination, we can love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have to, as we look to the context of this verse, which was sung as David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, which was 3,000 years ago. And we look back as David had a worshiping heart that not only longed for his people to come and worship before the Lord, but longed for for the whole world to worship the Lord because God is so worthy of our worship. As we've seen in the last couple of sections, He is the Creator. He is the one who He is the one who provides salvation. He is the one who alone is God, who alone possesses glory and strength. As we come into His courts, as we uh, come into His presence in the splendor of holiness, we are to acknowledge those things. And yet, today. As we live in that now and not yet, we live in that future time that David saw when, when Christ will judge the peoples with equity, when he rules with equity, and yet um, we live in the not yet of, the fi- of its final fulfillment. There are exponentially more people in the world today than when David was on earth. Um, and there are exponentially more people who need to hear of this great and glorious God who reigns and is the only one worthy of our worship. That's why we sing why we sing with those around the world who have heard and do believe. We worship so that there might be an overflow of our hearts that would cause us to say among the nations in which we live and which they live that the Lord reigns. Uh, John Piper has said famously that missions exist because worship doesn't. And so this is a call for us to worship rightly so that the nations might see and believe. Um, So there are those that have not heard and do, and do not acknowledge the Lord. That's why we sing. So the, the, there's three billion people in the world that have little to no access to the gospel. That have few, if none, uh, evangelical Christians in their immediate vicinity. And even more that have, um, that have none. And so, not more, excuse me. There's three billion that have few to none evangelical Christians. And, uh, and little history of Christianity in their context. And so, um, we sing so that those people will hear the overflow of our hearts. And, and the people that we send, the overflow of their hearts. That as we marvel at our salvation, at our amazing creator God. And know, so that they might know and be saved 
to worship with us towards the fulfillment of the future-focused verse. Now, on February 25th this year, we all came together and we sang, Jesus Shall Reign. It's a song by the Gettys. It's a song that they, it was part of a global hymn sing. Um, And so this, uh, you know, providentially, I didn't know I was going to include this, but they sent out a recap video from that Sunday. So this was two months ago, three months ago now, um, if you're counting months only, um, that, uh, that we sang this song together with believers throughout the nations. Um, and just, uh, I just want to give you a flavor of that time, a flavor of the recap video that they sent. So I've cut it down a little bit just so you can see some of the churches and some of the people singing around the world who are worshiping and then going out of the overflow of their hearts at, to all the nations, to say among the nations, as verse 10 says, the Lord reigns. So we're going we're gonna to watch this, um, and then I will wrap up. That is a, a quick recap of our Sunday uh, a few months ago, and that um, is just a, a picture, just a small picture of the people worshiping, even today, even yesterday and tomorrow, however the international dateline works, um, that, that are, they are gathered together worshiping um, this one God, the true God, the creator God, as they, and as they worship, the overflow of their hearts causes them to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And as, as we sing together, it should cause us to say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So verses 11 through 13 are just uh, are looking even farther forward to the day when that uh, future forward-looking verse, that end of verse 10, he will judge the peoples with equity. When that happens, then the heavens will be glad and let the, the earth will rejoice. The sea will roar and all that fills it. The field exult and everything in it. 
All the trees of the forest will sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. So the psalm resolves, and in verses um, 11 through 12, the third set of a repetition of three, and we know, now we know David's wrapping up because he's repeated three things three times, um, that all creation will join in worship. Um, and it's a, and Paul alludes to it as well in Romans 8, as all creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, we groan, we groan uh, in the pains of childbirth um, till that day. And not only all of creation, but we who sell, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, so that kind of now and not yet sec, um, uh, idea again, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies and our adoption as sons. Um, so we, uh, David has pointed us to the myriads of ways in which the nations are to enjoy his grace and extend his glory. So it's here that he points us to a time when his glory and reign will be extended the ends of the universe, and we will enjoy his grace and praise his glory forever in worship. So we're going to stand together and sing, Jesus shall reign. I'm going to ask the music team to come up again. We're going to sing that song one more time. Let this be a time where the worship in, uh, the worship that we come together and sing in song is just an expression of a whole life given to God because he is the one true God, because he alone possesses glory and strength, and because he is the only one who saves through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let that be a time as we worship and stand together and sing, Jesus shall reign. Let that be an over and let it be an overflow of your hearts as you declare among the nations, our God reigns.